We now return to your regular programming. Looking to expand your playlist? Well, Fat Lulz Radio has got you covered. Lose your religion with Reverend Jess and Deacon Sam over on the Church Absurd. Hear nerd culture get dissected on the Fickle Fanboy with RPM. Get drunk at the round table with the designated drinkers. Hear solid and interesting interviews on Unseriously Serious. Do you want to get involved? Send your rant over to the League of Infuriated Nerds. Also, check out the Fat Lulz Radio Associated shows. Get your not-safe-for-work talk radio fix on The Robin Slim Show. Get some life advice from Jerry and Cal on From the Bottom. All of these shows and more await you at Fat Moles Radio. You can find us on SoundCloud, Facebook, Twitter, and various podcast apps, as well as our website, fatmolesradio.us, HTTP, not HTTPS. We hope you enjoy the smorgasbord of shows we have prepared for you. Fat Moles Radio, stuff full of entertainment. You're listening to The Fickle Fanboy, brought to you by Fat Moles Radio. You say I'm insane? I say thank you very much! And it keeps getting funnier every single time I see it! Now you think! I'm gonna tell you with a tear in my eye! I'm gonna kick your ass! Hey everybody, and welcome to the Fickle Fanboy. I am your host, RPM, and as always... (laughs) I brought along Reverend Jess. Well, I, I I didn't bring him along so much as he followed me, but... Are you doing, Jess? <laughs> oh, God. What have I got myself into? I don't know. What's going on, party people? Are you guys ready to party? I'm ready to party. You know why? I'm partying because I'm, I'm really happy about today's, uh, today's segment. Because today, I bring to you... Spaceballs! I'm so excited. I'm so excited. It's literally the greatest comedy that you'll ever see involving sci-fi and parody. It's just great. It's got everyone. It's got Bill Pullman. It's got John Candy. It's got that other chick who plays Princess Vespa, but who cares about her? Still, Joan Rivers. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's good stuff. Jess? Jess? Yeah. You know what else is a great comedy? What? The fact that the fooled you. We're not talking Spaceball today. God damn it! (laughs) But today, actually, (laughs) as much as I love fucking with you, today we're talking movies, movie franchises, in fact, that should bang... And make a baby. Not even a baby, just a full-on family. We're, we're talking yeah. movies that should get together, get sloppy drunk, and make sweet, sweet love. We're calling this segment Cinema Coitus. Yeah. 
But anyway, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, it, we've talked movies, we've talked comic books, we've talked wrestling. We've talked comic book movies. And now we'll talk movies some more. I see a, I see a slight pattern here. I, 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 I'm not yeah. sure. Uh, oh, well, fuck it. <laughs> Don't worry. If, if they're sick about hearing about movies, you know. I would say they'll let they, us know, but. Well, I'm saying, like, you know, they, they have next time to look forward to. You know what I mean? Th- that is true. That is true. We've got some good shit coming up. Some oh, yeah. Good, good shit. But, yeah, movie franchises, that should bang. It's going to be. It's it's going to be an interesting type of look. We're basically creating movies that are someone could view as I guess a parody of other movies, you know, because the, the you know we're taking movie franchises and throwing them together and making some weird test tube baby out of them. Yeah, you know, when when we were talking about this, uh, you mentioned you know the whole idea of Brightburn. Yeah, yeah. There's. There's a new, uh, for those of you that don't know, the trailer has dropped now. It is uh, a new horror movie produced by James Gunn called Brightburn, which is essentially if you took Man of Steel and made it into a horror movie. And the, tr- the trailer looks very interesting. You know what I mean? Like, I'm really excited to see it. But, uh, you know, they basically took a Superman script and made it, you know, fuck a horror movie. And boom, this was the baby. You know, and that's kind of where we're going with this. I mean, we're not going to look at anything that was necessarily in development or look at anything that has come to pass. I mean, it, it's not going to be a thing of we look at the fact that you look at Braveheart and then combine it with Bloodsport and you got Gladiator. We're not going to point out the fact that... uh Avatar is really just Aliens meets Titanic. I would say Aliens meets Pocahontas. Starship Troopers is really just Aliens meets Naked Gun meets Robocop. But I don't know. Starship Troopers is kind of in, in a league of its own. But, you know, I mean, that's not necessarily a bad thing. No, no. But that, that's neither here nor there. Because we're going to take movie franchises as a, a whole. And the first of each franchise is going to fuck. The second of each franchise is going to get sloppy wet and just, you know, it's it's going to be just a fuck fest. Uh, but, all right. Star Wars and Bond. If those two just got naked and just started rubbing up together until they started a forest fire, eventually... You'd have Star Wars Episode Four, Thunderball. Well, I I kind of I I'd like to see Star Wars, you know, Episode One, Goldeneye. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, but then I mean, you, you'd even have Episode Six. You only live twice. I mean, that's just that's just a reference to the Force, man. Like Force ghosts and shit. Uh, where, where where would you see Episode One, Goldeneye going? If we take it from the aspect of, like, each person's run as Bond starts a new... I was just taking uh, the franchise as a whole. I mean, every Bond. I mean, I wasn't uh, considering each Bond being uh, a... 
Oh, you mean like exactly how Star Wars is? Yeah, I mean, but when when have I ever made sense? I'm just saying, if if we're gonna do it, you know what I mean? Like, no, I mean, if you did it my way, if you did it my way, wouldn't uh, Episode One be Doctor No? Yeah, yeah. Uh, episode, yeah, and then like Episode Three would be like what, like Goldfinger, and then you'd have like a thirty year gap, and then you pick, and then you pick up like on like probably like Roger Moore. You know what I mean? And then after those three, because like, I mean, episode six obviously has to be Moonraker. Well, you know, like I said, for me, episode six was uh, You Only Live Twice. But, uh, you know, actually yours might be a better box office draw. And then you'd have episode seven, right? You have a returning old James Bond, right? So episode seven would be Never Say Never Again. Because that's, you know, where Connery came back in the 80s. And then you bring it forward to Pierce Brosnan for episode eight. And then, I don't know, I guess anything past episode nine would be Daniel Craig's James Bonds. Like, literally for me, it was, you know, the way I was calculating everything, it was literally the first Bond, fuck the first episode. The second Bond, fuck the second episode. I mean, you know... We didn't even get to Pierce Brosnan in the way I was. Well, I, I just I just figure it would make sense because of the gap in time. Because, like, the franchise, as far as, like, main movies and shit, right, the franchise has only ever had, you know, it, it has, like, a 30-year gap between the first three movies and then episode, you know, the prequel trilogy. Which, that, that was not nearly long enough. Well, I mean, yeah, but it is what it is. And then yeah. you had, and then you, had uh, you know, a 17-year gap from episode one to uh, Force Awakens again, not long enough. But yeah, yeah, but you I get, get what I I'm saying. You. Like, like it, it would, it like don't yeah. wrong. Would it be interesting movies? Probably. You know what I mean? Like, but, and that's kind of why I figured we'd go with the way I had gone about it. But yeah, I guess. yeah, I could see that. I mean, you know, it's I, I don't know. The Bond movies are. I, I, it wouldn't. I, I don't. I don't think Bond could be the main character. Like he couldn't be a Jedi. No. No. Just like if anything, he would be like a member of the resistance that's like consistently trying to like steal Death Star plans or something. You know what I mean? No, truth be told, I actually saw him as a more of a Mandalorian, like a bounty hunter. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I could see that. But it's like I said, it's a weird, it's a weird type of type of thought process. You know what I mean? I could, but I could see where it would work. Yeah. I mean, think about think about a Mandalorian bounty hunter. That was Bond esque, and think about the the movies that we saw throughout the franchise, throughout the Star Wars franchise, as told by his point of view. I mean, you know that that to me sounds like a damn good winner. You know, I mean, but that, that's well, just me. I, I came up with you know I came up with an interesting idea of a movie. Okay. Okay. Full metal jacket, but set at a stormtrooper academy. Okay. Like, like, like that idea I think would be interesting, you know what I mean? To see that dichotomy, especially since according to, you know, the new trilogy, the stormtroopers are no longer clones, but they're actually taken from villages when they're young. And literally, it could be a mixture of like fucking, you know, full metal jacket set in a stormtrooper academy. Mixed with Star Wars and then mixed with like boyhood because you could watch this kid grow up. Like that, that would be an interesting thing to see. 
And let's say, let's say instead of doing that, you want to talk about, you know, essentially the people that go around enforcing, like, let's say it takes place in the prequel, like, time space, right? Because if you remember, you know, they sent two Jedi to deal with this trade argument and shit like that, right? So instead of having that, you have the Magnum Force Awakens, where Dirty Harry is one of those Jedis. (laughs) And he's like a gray Jedi, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) But how badass would that be? You want to make my day. (laughs) I can just see, like, a Gran Torino age Clint Eastwood sitting on the council. It's just talking about how much he hates, like, fucking huts. Huts, Wookiees, I mean, whatever the hell Yoda is. I mean. he just, he's just looking at Bib Fortuna, and he's just like, fucking tentacle head, you know what I mean? <laughs> he'd, just, he'd be looking through those squinty eyes and just... He'd be like that pissed-off drunk that you see down at the bar, just... I, uh, gotta go down to Tashi Station to get some power converters. <laughs> Goddamn sand people. <laughs> Stealing the small businesses from the slave traders. <laughs> oh, shit. Pretty soon they'll be invading Jakku. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 44 Blaster. The most powerful blaster in the universe. <laughs> right? Right? I would pay to see that movie. I, I don't know if I'd pay, but I'd see the movie. I, I, I'd, make so, I'd make someone else pay. <laughs> Admit it, you would pay to see that movie. I might, I might, I might. I might go to the cheap theater on a matinee, and if I was going to be there anyway, afterwards I might slip in. All right, let's move on from Star Wars. <laughs> you know, my only issue with the way that you're going about it is if you look at it, although that one hasn't happened and won't ever happen, thank goodness, because uh, I'd lose all my money going to it over and over and over. At least I'd lose all of somebody's money. But it's a little too close to reality for me, and I'll, I'll tell you why. We live in a world where, even though it's going to be straight to DVD and animated, Batman and... TMNT are in the same fucking feature flick. Okay. I mean, you know. I, I, I just, I mean, you know, fear leads to hatred, hatred leads, you know, I mean, it's, it's that kind of a thing. It, it is what it is. But let's move on. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, <laughs> you know, what would happen if Back to the Future met Terminator? You know, got a little tipsy. Shit happened, and think about it. I, I, you know, Back to the Future was was just Back to the Future. And, yeah, and, and you know, Terminator was just Terminator, but it was actually the Terminator. Thank you. Well, fuck that. But if you don't want to get it right, then all I have to say is fuck you, asshole. Let's get back to the chopper. Bite me. You have to do the the inflections right. You know, the, what are you doing? Who are you? You know, I would agree with you, but then we'd both be wrong. And, you know, I, I just, uh, 
I don't have the time or the patience to get into an argument with someone whose gene pool needs a fucking lifeguard. So, uh, <laughs> let's let's just go on. All right, so Back to the Future and Terminator fuck. By, by the second one, you got Back to the Future 2, Judgment Day. All right, so the big question is, who's the Terminator in this in this mythology? Is it Biff? No, no, no. Okay, so the idea is that Arnold still exists as the T-1000. Or, I'm sorry, the T-800. Yes, yes. I mean, you still have Biff, you still have Marty, you still have Doc, but then throw in Arnold somewhere in there. So literally, like, the Terminator's in the DeLorean with them. Uh-huh. And, you know, he's just essentially a bodyguard, okay? So that makes... That makes the hoverboard scene end really quickly. <laughs> because literally, like, the minute they're just like, hey, McFly, you chicken, and stuff like that, and, like, the bat comes out, and right as he's about to hit, all of a sudden Arnold's right there with the shotgun. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it would it would be interesting if while they're traveling through the night, the, you know, the alternate 1985 where Biff is basically like, let's be honest, he's Trump. He's Trump. <laughs> yeah, he is. But... That means that during that whole situation, the T-1000 liquid metal is still chasing them all over the place. Yeah. In Back to the Future 3, Rise of the Machines. Think about how that would go. Because they were in the Old West. It's just a, it's a bunch of steam-powered robots. Yeah. Although, I will say, in my mind, just like... You know, yes, I had had Pierce or even in, not necessarily Connery now, but at least an older Connery, think like uh, Connery in The Rock. Yeah. I had had, you know... Oh, I find your lack of faith disturbing. You're best. <laughs> Padawans always complain about their best. Winners go home and fuck Slave Leia. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't we all? She's dead, and I'd still do it. <laughs> that says a lot about you. <laughs> you think you think she'd be as cold as she was when she did the Mary Poppins in space? Uh, probably, uh, probably warmer actually, if you think about it, because that that shit was cold, <laughs> and, and not in any good way whatsoever. Because if that's the case, I'm grabbing a shovel and I'm going fishing for Carrie. If you know what I'm saying. <laughs> if you went fishing for Carrie. You'd have more blood on you by the end of it than fucking Sissy Spacek in Carrie. Right, exactly. That's the thing that you didn't expect, listeners. You didn't expect when you turn on this episode, you'd get a fucking Carrie Fisher's corpse joke. But you did. The things that you don't really expect from us that we give you for free. I mean, you, you... you're welcome. I'm glad to be on the show because I, I, I felt like this show needed more necrophilia humor. Well, I mean, th this show needs a lot more of a lot of things, but uh, I I'm not sure necrophilia is one of those things, but, you know, I mean, we'll go with it. We'll go with it. Be sure to join us next week where Ross tries necrophilia for the first time. Oh, God, no. Um, but, you know, as I was about to say, Pierce or Sean, whichever one you chose to go with, I had them in the role of Han or someone like that. And was going to go off on the idea of the whole franchise done through their eyes. Okay. Then you get to fucking Back to the Future. We've seen it through Marty's eyes. 
I would probably do Terminator just or or Doc even have Doc Brown be the guy who created Skynet. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, okay. He's in the garage and he's just showing Marty this new technology of like killer robots. Oh man, that's heavy, Doc. And then you know, like lightning hits, and boom, you know, the little Terminator ball is out there, and you know, he forms up and he walks in and he just like, I've come from the future to protect you. And that right there, you know. You know, when when you did Marty right there, it sounded like you went full on park with it and committed. With You know, just as I kind of altered the timeline, if you will, when it comes to uh, how I envision what you would see and how you would see it for Star Wars and Bond, I kind of altered one tiny little thing when it comes to the Back to the Future Terminator team-up, if you will. Uh Uh-huh. I kind of look at the first one as, you know, I think the first one, actually, you should have be Back to the Future, Rise of the Machines, and now that I think about it, number three should be Salvation. Okay, I could see that. You know, I mean, you have Rise of the Machines. Then Judgment Day. Then Back to the Future, Salvation. And, you know, I mean, it it could really work. And then we have Back to the Future Genesis, which will be terrible. Oh, God, yeah. That'd be a shit show. Well, I got got an idea for a potential movie. Okay, bring it on. Now, you think of the Evil Dead trilogy, right? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I tend to think about that one a lot. Okay, all right. So, you have Evil Dead 1, Evil Dead 2, Dead by Dawn. Uh-huh. And then you have Evil Dead 3, which was originally called Bruce Campbell versus Army of Darkness, right? Yeah. How about, instead of Bruce Campbell, we have Bill and Ted. Oh. So we have Bill and Ted versus the Evil Dead, Bill and Ted 2, Dead by Dawn, and Bill and Ted versus the Army of Darkness. In the third one, it would work because they went into the Dark Ages in the third one anyway. But Bill and Ted was made in the late 80s. Uh Uh-huh. And Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2 were made not too many years before that. So, I mean, they they wouldn't be traveling too far back. I mean, you got to give me more. What would... It was 82 and 87. Okay, so I mean they'd be traveling ten years. I mean you you gotta give me, you gotta give me something more. Okay, okay. The basis of it, right? Okay. The basis of okay. it is they have to do like they're doing a literature project, right? Uh huh. And they have to come up with a presentation about horror novels. Okay, okay. But because they're so much of like pop culture junkies, right? They decide that they're gonna fucking you know going to, like, you know, creepy cabins in the woods, right, and shit like that. And then, boom, they, they use the phone booth to go back to 1982. And they find the Nepro- Necronomicon, they find the recording, everything like that. They show up there before Ash and his friends, right? Uh-huh. And, boom, they're the ones who activate it, right? Yeah. And you also have to factor in that Evil Dead 2 kind of retcons Evil Dead 1. So... Evil Dead 2 
because it's, you know it's different in the beginning. It's just them changing the timeline because they went back there and they were the ones who started it instead of Ash. And then they team up with Ash, and instead of the portal being open and that's what send them back in time, it's the phone booth that sends them back in time. They fucking you know do that big old spell. And instead of the portal appearing, the fucking phone booth just starts freaking out. Sort of like when the antenna was broken and they were just flying through the circuits of time. And then literally like, you know, Bill and Ted versus Army of Darkness. They're not only do you have Ash there doing all of his fucking, you know, engineering shit and everything like that. But then you also have them who are building shit based off of like imagery that they saw on metal albums. You know, like literally trapping deadites and like iron maidens and shit can you imagine bill and ted being dropped right in the middle of the scene the whole claw tube yeah and that's and that's the thing <laughs> like bruce campbell is so con- like ash is just so concerned and like so confused because he's literally sitting there and like he thinks that he summoned them you know i i, I like the way you're going with this but imagine if in their uh, hopes to ace this project that you're you're talking about, they go even farther back. They're the ones that find the Book of the Dead. Okay. And when trying to get back to their own time, through a comedy of errors, they end up in that forest before uh, the professor had found the book. <laughs> and... Okay, so so get this, right? Ash goes and plays the tape, right? Yeah. And you just hear, I am Bill S. Preston, Esquire, and I'm Ted, Theodore Logan, and together we are Wild Stallions, and we found this really, really bodacious book. You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And, like, that's the thing. The first Wild Stallion song they make out of, like, reading lyrics from the Book of the Dead. No, in my idea, the uh, professor still finds the book, but uh, so, I mean, he'd play the tape, hear that, and then you just see Ash push fast forward, and <laughs> then he gets to the recording that he hears where the professor's yeah. talking about it. You know, so it'd be a little Easter egg. The professor's just like, I found this tape out in the woods. Here's hoping I can record over it. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's like it's like that scene in Excellent Adventure where they're fucking, you know, they're they're trying to like trick the dad so they can find the keys and shit. I think it would work. I think it would too. Uh, see, see, we're giving you we're giving you gold, folks, or at least bronze, right? And, and that's the thing. I came up with another idea. Okay. I'm thinking, get this, Paul Blart with a vengeance. <laughs> oh God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna regret this, but go on. If you look at the first Paul Blart movie, uh huh, it's built up like Die Hard in a mall. So let's just fucking combine the two of them. Fuck it, right? So literally, Nakatomi Tower instead of John McClane there, it's fucking Paul Blart. Right? The airport in Die Hard 2, instead of John McClane there, is Paul Blart. You know what I mean? And the third one is fucking Simon taking on Paul Blart and Kevin Hart. Can you... In the scene where McClane is doing the army crawl through the vents. 
<laughs> it's just it's a it's a Woody the Pooh moment right there. <laughs> God damn. Oh fuck. And and I mean, after every damn fight scene, you just see Paul Blart with just hands said, on his knees. <sighs> yeah, yeah, exactly. He has to sit. He has to sit down for a minute. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's eating more Twinkies than Al does in that movie. <laughs> Tell me you don't want to see that. I don't, but I do. I don't, but I do. And just. And it's literally right after he flicks the lighter and he's like, you know, come out to the coast. We'll get together. Have a few laughs. That's when he gets stuck. <laughs> he gets stuck trying to put the lighter back into his pocket. Can you imagine fucking <laughs> the face off between Blart and um Hans Gruber? Yeah, Hans Gruber. He's like throws down the machine gun and he goes to reach and all of a sudden the tape just like gets unstuck and the gun hits the ground and even even Hans Gruber starts laughing at that moment so Blart you know fucking jumps to the ground real quick and shoots him I can only imagine some of the uh, changes in dialogue for at least Gruber that would happen and, and how he would sound you know Alan Rickman would sound delivering some of those lines that would be that would be gorgeous that would be priceless I really actually would like it just because of some of the changes in dialogue from people like Rickman and even down the line with Jeremy Irons or shit as as the sidekick can you can you imagine Samuel L Jackson's character trying to basically be the sidekick to fucking Blart Can you imagine the scene where he has to wear that sandwich board that says I hate n words on it <laughs> Like, literally, like, just the look of terror that would be on Kevin James's face. <laughs> Imagine that being when he meets Samuel L. Jackson in... Uh... Die Hard with a Vengeance. Yeah, yeah. Imagine... <laughs> you know, just passing by, looks at the sandwich, what the fuck? Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, God. I think this guy's crazy like Bellevue. <laughs> Goddamn. See, like I said, I get paid to be the comic relief here. Uh, you know, with as uh, good as the last two that we've thrown out are, I can't wait to see where we go with this one. Mission Impossible just banging the shit. Bareback, no lube, out of the Hobbit and Lord of the Rings trilogy. Mission Impossible, an unexpected journey. Okay. That, that speaks for itself, although I don't know exactly where they would go with that. I don't know where the dwarfs would come in. <laughs> Can you imagine the dwarves come into the picture and they just spend the whole rest of the movie arguing over with Tom Cruise's character, you know, Ethan Hunt, about whether or not he was at least part dwarf. Ethan Hunt and the Seven Dwarfs. That movie would devolve quick, man. Like, eventually they'd be, they'd break the fourth wall, start showing him, like, clips from fucking, you know, Jack Reacher, and just be like, how are you trying to be intimidating when you're 5'3", man? But then you have Mission Impossible, the Battle of the Five Armies. 
that almost sounds like a mob, you know, like a movie where he, he goes to just take down the Yakuza or some shit. I, I don't know, man. To me, that sounds more like, you know, just like him having a mission in the middle of like a giant world war. Like, literally, it's like the end times. Like, it's World War Three, where it's not just two sides factioning with their allies, but it's literally like every country is like at their own fucking impasse and they're all taking on each other. So it's it's literally like, you know, a situation of they have like just the craziest shit going on. Like he has to get like some sort of fucking like bomb taken care of because if this bomb goes off, it's essentially like going to nuke all of the armies of the world or something like that. Yeah. Although with the uh, idea, you know, of like a, a mob scene kind of thing or, even you know, e- even in your take one ring to rule them all kind of takes on a whole new meaning you know uh you know i mean what what would that ring be i mean it's definitely like you know the army's guarding the poppy fields in iraq you know <laughs> but i mean then then you have mission impossible 3 the desolation of smog which uh, i i can't see it going anywhere else than Ethan taking on what I can only imagine would be a group of fucking I don't know eco terrorists I guess yeah like 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 literally like like smog is like an anagram yeah I mean the, the, I I went almost a little too literal in that case but you know I mean I I felt it was appropriate yeah for sure I mean it could work why not right yeah yeah at least the one thing I will say is at least it'll be a fucking original idea you know what I mean. If you want to hear us discuss that, listen to the last episode about, you know, movie franchises and movie uh, reboots and stuff like that. We go well into depth of, like, how there are hidden gems in the ce- in the cinema right now. Yeah, but unfortunately, as we've pointed out before, I'll say it again, those hidden gems are too few and too far between. But, like, I, like you said, we go into that in greater detail, uh, and we did so just a few weeks ago, so... I'll uh, cut to the chase. Let's see here. Well, no, 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 I'll save that one for last. Well, I have an I have an interesting one that I think you'd be you'd get a kick out of. Okay, okay. Well, we have we have, you know, we t- we talked about Hunter S. Thompson on the comics episode, right? But of course. Now Hunter S. Thompson has had you know two movies based on his life. One was Where the Buffalo Roam with Bill Murray. Uh huh. And the other one was very famous, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, which is a must-see, especially if you like Terry Gilliam. Absolutely. Uh, we, you know, we, we covered Baron Munchausen you know, last time, and Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas is another one of his just weird but beautiful films, right? Weird but beautiful pretty much encompasses everything that he's ever done. Well, I came up with this idea, right? Because... The, ba- the Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas is a true story. Uh-huh. It is literally a true story where, you know, him, like Hunter S. Thompson and his his confidant, Dr. Gonzo, went off to search for the American dream in Las Vegas. Uh-huh. And it's a very drug-fueled ride, everything like that. You know, it's another drug-fueled ride that is not nearly as uh, upbeat and, you know, wacky and crazy is Requiem for a Dream. Okay, yeah. Requiem for a Dream is probably one of the most depressing movies I've ever seen in my life. But goddamn, is it is it good cinema. Like, it's a very well-made film. So what if 
you created Requiem for the American Dream, where instead of having Dr. Gonzo with him, Hunter S. Thompson has the three lost souls from Requiem for a Dream with him. Like, that would be an interesting movie to see. Yeah, it really would. Because literally, he's, you know, Hunter S. Thompson loved drugs. No, really? You don't say. But literally, like, can you imagine, right? Everything ends so badly for the kids in, in Requiem for a Dream. There is not a single person of the main character that ends up in a good spot. So instead of that, they're not necessarily learning from this crippling emptiness, but they're learning from what happens when you take it too far and traveling with Hunter S. Thompson. Okay. Like, tell me that would not be an interesting fucking movie. I, I, I can't. And not only, not only that, but you also have the cool moments. Like, for example, you remember the part where right when he first gets to Las Vegas and he's tripping his balls off and he's seeing like the lizard people and the floor melting and shit like that? Yeah. You had imagery like that in Requiem for a Dream, like with the refrigerator and shit. So imagine how they would be reacting to seeing lizard people and shit. And if they weren't just using heroin, but they were using like the fucking mescaline and, you know, like snorting the ether and shit like that. Oh, God. Like that would be an interesting movie. I want to see that. Yeah, shit. Now I do, too. Tell me that's not like like uh, like literally like I th- I thought of that last night and I was like that could really work. It really fucking could. Although I will say, when you said Requiem for an American Dream, I I kind of half expected Dusty Road, if you will. Oh, let me tell you, baby, we're gonna go to Las Vegas, baby. <laughs> baby, we're gonna be inhaling this ether, baby. <laughs> You're talking to somebody who, you know, had the best of Nitro, you know, DVD set and shit like that. Like, you'd hear, you'd hear plenty of that shit. He's just like, oh, he goes in there with a power driver, baby. You know, he goes in there and it's just beautiful, baby. You know, like, you know when you totally get the man's head over the top rope, baby, you just hear boom, boom. You know what I mean, baby? Like, you're just like, sure. <laughs> oh, God. The, the, the uh, commentary that he gives during, oh, I forget what pay-per-view it was, but it was. Harlem Heat versus the Nasty Boys in a street fight. You know what he reminds me of? You know what he reminds me of? As he got older, he started reminding me of that farmer from the Water Boy. You know what I mean? The one that's just like, God damn, baby, we're going in and out of boom, 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 God damn, fuck up, we're going in and fuck out of you know what I mean? And like, he's the one that's calling the plays to them, and they're just like, okay, you know what I mean? Like, that's literally what Dusty Rose turned into. <laughs> One of my favorite, one of my favorite stories, uh, Paul Heyman had right because Paul Heyman used to sneak into like the backstage areas, and uh, he he saw that there was a production meeting going on, and he just went in there and sat down. Oh yeah, you're talking about when yeah, okay, go on. Yeah, Dusty, Dusty, Dusty's sitting there and he's giving the meeting, and he notices Paul sitting there, and he pulls him outside, and he goes, "What are you doing here? You 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 in the, in the middle of a big production meeting from the American Dream, Dusty Rose? What are you doing here? Right?" And he's just like. Paul, always thinking on his feet, is just like, I'm learning from you. And he just goes, he just goes, all right, baby, you're learning from the best. You're learning from Dusty Rhodes. Go ahead and go in there and sit down and, and keep taking notes. You know what I mean? Like When you said keep taking notes, it went from Dusty Rhodes to Pat Patterson kind of quick. Like, I, I have expected you to ask me to just unravel it. As I said, I like them, I like them big. Sorry. <laughs> oh, shit. I'd have to untape it. I mean, we ain't got that kind of time. 
yours is less of a manservant and more like a hornswoggle. Sorry. Oh, God. You know, I, I, you're hung like a caterpillar, so I wouldn't be talking. There's a reason I call it the little bastard. <laughs> Guys, don't ask me how I know that. It doesn't take much for him to be just tossing it out there. I mean, he does it in public way too often. All right, moving on. Next movie. All right, next movie. What would happen? And, you know, I mentioned uh, aliens earlier when talking about Starship Troopers, right? Yeah. Imagine fucking aliens and Star Trek. Okay. Just m- making sweet extraterrestrial love. I mean, Star Trek Two, The Wrath of Khan? Yeah, that, that's that's fine, that's fine. But I would rather see Aliens 2, Wrath of Khan. Wouldn't you? I mean, shit, come on. Come on. Game. Game. Over, man. Game. Over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Aliens 3, The Search for Spock. I mean, hey, you know. I told me wrong. Like the the standard, you know, the the way that people look at it, right, is like the odd number Star Trek are all shit. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, people say that same thing about Alien Three that it's shit. Yeah. But then again, I think Alien Three is sort of a bittersweet thing. Like I think it's a it's a it's got hidden gem qualities to it. Yeah. But I would say that uh, it would certainly be interesting if while Ripley's pimping around on that fucking prison planet that she comes across Spock and fucking Leonard Nimoy's pimping around with her. That'd be a fucking interesting movie. Hell yeah, would. She goes to shoot the alien. He's just like, it's illogical to shoot the alien. I, I just, I, you know, with the Wrath of Khan, I just want to see Khan and Kirk set aside their differences. To fight the alien? To fight the xenomorphs? Because think about the dialogue. Think about the conversations that would be between Shatner and Ricardo Montalban. <laughs> it would just it would be beautiful well not only that but but you'd also have the moment of like where they're uh you know essentially killing off the ventilation system uh-huh and then that right there just screams that uh fucking con would just leave kirk there and you could still have that con moment you know what i mean e- yeah exactly exactly but uh, okay aliens four correct me if i'm wrong but wasn't that where they went Perlman and Winona Ryder on our ass. Yeah, yeah. Imagine Aliens 4, The Voyage Home. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, You know, just because, you know, Ripley dies at the end of Alien 3. Sorry, spoiler alert for a movie that's almost 30 years old at this point. Shit, if they haven't seen it, well, too damn bad. Well, here's the thing. Like, I understand where people are coming from, you know, when they don't like Alien 3. But, you know, I just, I don't, I'm not too bothered by it. Probably because I don't hold the Alien series, like, near and dear to my heart as most people do. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, the first, the first film is such an effective horror movie. You know what I mean? And, like, the second film is a, is a great action film. But, like, the third one is, is just sort of, like, in this weird realm of trying to be both. The fourth one, they just throw all types of horror, any type of horror out the window. And just, it's a flat-out action movie. So because of that, to change it to the voyage home could bring it back to a horror movie. You know what I mean? Yes, it could. Because, like, let's say, let's say they go with the same idea of, like, of, uh, you know, reviving Ripley like that. You know what I mean? There could be a whole secret level to that big-ass spaceship where they're trying to clone the alien. 
and literally like total black bag operation off the books. And then the alien gets out. So Ripley realizing that she's finally, you know, back while also dealing with the fact that she's combined, like her DNA is combined with the alien's DNA. All of a sudden this fucking alien shows up, like bursts out of the fucking, you know, primordial ooze concoction that they're using to breed this thing. And you can return it to that horror movie element. Yeah. It could work. It could work. And, you know, just to kind of be able to keep both franchises in there, you know, have them doing all this while stumbling on a way to get back to Earth. Yeah, for that's what I mean. Like, like literally, you still have the voyage home. And, and, and literally, like, the people that come to, like, rescue them, because obviously they're going to send out a distress signal. Yeah, yeah. Is the fucking Enterprise? I, I, okay, I like it because I was going to say, how would you? Well, well, well. Here's the thing. I don't know if it would. I don't know if it would be the Enterprise or the Discovery, because like with Star Trek, it's hard to tell. Like you know, with all the star dates and stuff, where it would match up. So it it would either be the Enterprise or it would be the Discovery. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good, good point. Although, if you kept the Enterprise, just <laughs> nix everything in the movie that has them dealing with the whales. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah, there's no slingshot around the sun and bring a whale back, no. No, no. Although, you know, you mentioned the idea of taking Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas and Requiem for a Dream. Yeah, I'm still proud of that shit, by the way. But what if you took some other, whether it be true stories or at least based on true story movies, and combined them with some other fictional movies i mean people do people do that all the time like for example i watched a movie just recently that todd phillips did called war dogs with jonah hill and miles teller yeah it's based off of the true story of aey which was a fucking weapons you know provider that was run by two 20 something year old kids and like there's stuff in that movie that just does not happen did not happen in real life like there's one scene where they have to transport guns from Jordan to Iraq, right? Yeah. And they are sitting there trying to do it, and, and, like, they get caught behind enemy fire, and they have to drive through the Triangle of Death. A quick Google search will show, will tell you flat out, that didn't fucking happen. Yeah. So... No, but I, I'm, talk, I'm talking about taking full-on... Like, like, taking something like, like, Walk the Line mixed with, like, Almost Famous? Exactly! Or... Uh, and see, I'll give you... I'll give you some movies that were at least based on true stories that I had, and I couldn't come up with a fictional movie to pair them with. And you give me what you would think would be a good fictional movie to combine it with, and we'll, and we'll see where we go with this. Alrighty. I'll give you the three, and in, in no particular order. Alright. Okay, so, here we go. Amityville Horror, JFK, and The Social Network. Now, for The Social Network, in full disclosure, I did kind of play around with the idea of combining it with another Jesse Eisenberg movie in fucking Batman vs. Superman. Yeah. But I just could not come up with some of the logistics. I'll be honest, his Zuckerberg was a lot more believable as a Lex Luger than his actual Lex Luger was. Did you say Lex Luger? 
Yes. <laughs> I, I'm not identifying him as Lex Luthor, no. Because he was not Lex Luthor in that movie. As bad as Luger's promos were, I could actually uh, say that I might have preferred him. You see my point. You see my point. I, I can't believe I'm saying I'd prefer... <laughs> You're like, oh God, where, what have we become? <laughs> you go ahead and come up with your pairings, because i got to spend some time picking the pieces of my brain up, because I've got particles okay. of brain matter all over the place and i gotta do some cleaning up you you take over for a second okay um for amityville horror i would mix it with evil dead again okay yeah and i'll tell you why because in the first version of the amityville horror you know the 1979 version which we covered briefly on the last episode the fucking monster was a giant pig yeah so you have that whole aspect right and, like, you have, essentially, I, I would also put it with, like, the plot of Insidious, where it's, like, literally, not only is the house possessing James Brolin's character, but it's also trying to, like, it's multiple demons trying to break through. And instead of, you know, like, basically, it's treated like a, uh, it's treated like an illness, right? So, like, the possession, or, like, uh, you remember in the movie Fallen with Denzel Washington? Yeah. The idea of, like, if he touches you, the demon goes from one body to yeah, another. and that movie in itself fucked up the Rolling Stones for me for years. It, it's still... I, I will tell you what, though, man. That opening sequence after he talks to the guy in the cell and, he, and he's doing, like, his final walk down, like, the last mile. Yeah. And he's dancing and you have the actual song playing. That is such a good fucking opening sequence, man. It totally sets you up for the thrill ride you're about to see. You know what I mean? <laughs> Which, I, I'm sorry, I, I can't see the opening without thinking, Casey Jones! But that's the thing, like, like literally the fact that he's, like, dancing around, doing the fucking foot shuffle and shit with the song as the song's playing, you know what I mean? Yeah. It perfectly, like, like brings you into this thrill ride of how much of a dick this demon it, is. It does, but I cannot reconcile... The the guy who plays that character at the beginning is the same guy who fights Raphael in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in 1990. I, I just can't. But anyway, go on, go on. Cricket. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Cricket? Nobody plays cricket. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, like, like that's the thing. I would go so something like that where literally the possession stems from the house but then like spreads like a plague. I like it. I like it. Okay. The social network, I would mix with hackers. Nice. Where, like, basically the events of the social network happen, and then Mark Zuckerberg, as he's sitting alone, you know, essentially decides to just turn into this fucking tyrant, and literally, like, a, a group of rogue hackers is trying to take down Facebook and, you know, protect people's privacy and shit like that. And, like, a movement builds up, like, hack the planet against Facebook. Like, that would be dope. Nice. And what was the other one? Uh, well, I've got a few more that I'm literally just coming up with just to see where we go with this. But the other one that I gave you earlier was JFK. All right, JFK. Very, very fucking simple, man. Enemy with Jake Gyllenhaal. It's literally about a guy who's watching a fucking movie one night and he sees that there's another guy that looks exactly like him. And he tracks him down. And, like, the dude essentially tries to, you know, ruin his fucking life, right? Take elements of that and 
make it about not only JFK, but also make it about who killed him? Lee Harvey Oswald. So so basically you have this idea, right? Where and you have in the movie Enemy, it's about a shapeshifter trying to ruin someone's fucking life. At least on the surface, that's what the movie presents. Because yeah. there's a whole bunch of other shit going on in that movie that, you know, requires multiple viewings. We'll cover it sometime on Acclaim and Shame because it's one of those movies that needs to be seen. But you have the shapeshifter that is essentially tormenting Lee Harvey Oswald. And that shapeshifter is the one that kills JFK in the car. <laughs> nice. Nice. I like You it. see what I'm saying? Something like that. Okay. Now, th- this one isn't based on a true story, but I want to see what true story you would uh, have it make sweet, sweet love to. Natural Born Killers. Natural Born Killers? Oh, very, very, very simple. I would take the true story of the Badlands Killers. They literally were very much like Mickey and Mallory. Like, I would tell that story. Was there a movie based on them? Because remember, it has to be a movie that you- I believe there was. I'm pretty sure there was, and I'm pretty sure it was called Badlands. Okay, okay. Because literally, like, Bruce Springsteen made the song. But the thing about Natural Born Killers is they really play up the celebrity status, which would essentially, you know, add it with a Bonnie and Clyde type of feel to it. Yeah, you know okay. what I mean? Like, it could be fun. You know what I mean? But I like, you know, I love Natural Born Killers, so. Literally, like, I bought that movie I don't know how many times. I've Like, every time they, they release, like, a new version of the DVD that has, like, better quality, I pick it up. And this last one is a, a favorite of mine. A Beautiful Mind. Perfect, perfect. I got you. I got you. Okay. You combine A Beautiful Mind with the spy elements of Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. Ooh. Right? Because, like, have you ever seen that movie? Yes. Yeah, it's for those of you that don't know, it's it's based off of like a fake autobiography that uh, the guy who was behind like uh, the dating game and shit wrote, where he was like a secret spy and shit like that. And it's very clearly like you know him trying to make his life more interesting, which it makes for an interesting read and it makes for a really good movie. Sam Rockwell plays the dude, and you know Sam Rockwell is fucking great in everything he does. Everything. I mean, that man could be in box office bombs and almost immediately just by association well i mean it'll give you a prime example he was in the first charlie's angels movie i mean and and i enjoyed the fuck out of him in that because he was such a bastard yeah yeah he was but like like literally like if you're looking for a great sam rockwell performance watch seven psychopaths that's a good movie that's a good movie like like and and, and that's the thing like i bet you would be a little bit more partial to it just because tom waits is in it fuck yeah i mean come on now but like literally like sam rockwell is fucking hysterical in that movie there's one scene where he's like essentially pitching a a final scene idea to uh his his writing mates right and he's going on about this huge shootout that takes place in the graveyard yeah he's just like well here how about we change the name of the movie from seven psychopaths to the seven lesbians we're all spazzy and shit and have, you know, gone through some hard times and one of them is black. <laughs> like, it's literally one of those, one of those lines where it's just so fucking funny, you know? You know, that, I will say, there was one movie that, no matter how hard I try and make sense of 
how he could be in such a bad movie, or at least a movie that I saw is just horrible. Okay, all right. What what's the movie? Iron Man Two. I just I try to make sense of how he could have been drunk or bored enough to. Well, no, you know what the, you know what that comes down to. What's that? Put yourself in his shoes, right? If you're in a Marvel movie, you get thrown into the spotlight, no matter what. Okay, yeah. Because, like, Sam Rockwell has been in a lot of, like, indie darling films. So, when you get a big ticket item like that, not only are you guaranteed a, a nice paycheck, but you're also adding to your stock of the public eye. You know what I mean? Like, I'm willing to bet that's the same reason he took Charlie's Angels. But I I don't care how big the paycheck was and how many zeros were involved. You gotta have some standards, in my opinion. Same goes for Mickey Rourke. I just... And maybe... I'll say this. Maybe I'm a little bit biased, because Whiplash was one of my favorite villains when it comes to... Iron Man, and I feel the same way about Kingsley and Iron Man 3. I just... I, and, and Guy Pierce, All four of them. I just... You you couldn't throw me enough money to go, yeah, why, what, what the hell? Well, you also have to remember this, that, like, th- this is literally, like, you know, it's, it's about maintaining your image. Because if you're in nothing but indie darlings, that's all you're going to get is indie darlings. You know what I'm saying? For example... If Guy Pierce only ever did Memento, his stock as an actor would have plummeted 10 years ago. Because, like, he, he didn't even start out in that indie darling. The first big exposure of Guy Pierce was in L.A. Confidential. And L.A. Confidential was not a small picture. You know what I mean? No, no, it wasn't. That was a good one. Oh, yeah, I love L.A. Confidential. It's great. But because of that, they have to, you have to balance it out because, like, let's say you walk up to somebody on the street, right? To, like, the, the standard, you know, mainstream person, right? And you go, what's your opinion on Sam Rockwell? They're going to go, who the fuck is Sam Rockwell, right? And you yeah, have I'm to pull. Oh, no, but what I'm saying is, like, you have to pull something that they're, they're going to recognize them from. That, that's just making a smart career choice. Like, there, there are going to be some people who watch The Wrestler and turn it off because they're bored. They're the kind of person that's just like fucking went to Iron Man and there was like a fucking hour and 10 minutes of action and then like 10 to 15 minutes of comedy and then 40 minutes of backstory. It was great. Well, but I mean, people who, you know, would look at that and say that kind of shit. If I had a dollar for every time those kind of people said something smart, I'd be flat broke. Yeah, but you know what? That's just, that's that's the mainstream moviegoer, man. Like They suck. Yeah, they do suck, but not a lot of people can view movies as art like we do. You know what I mean? Like, most of the time, if you're a big cinephile like you, like me, we could go on for 40 minutes about the merits of good cinema and, and how great one movie is because of various reasons. And the mainstream moviegoer is going to be like, Well, does it have a lot of action? It was Sylvester Stallone in it, because if Sylvester Stallone's not in it, I don't want to watch it. Which, people like that, I mean, when they were born, 
the doctor should have slapped the mother and thrown the baby out the window, but then I'd be afraid that the window would throw them back. So, I mean, it's all, it's all about perspective, man. And you, you also have to factor in, you know, how they grew up. I grew up watching movies with my dad. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I saw Pulp Fiction for the first time when I was like five years old. And like, I grew up watching that movie, right? Yeah. I, granted, I was way too fucking young to watch it, but he didn't know I watched it that young. But still, the amount of movies that either one of our parents, I would imagine, sat us down to watch or even in the room while they watched and let us absorb, it, it, it uh, explains a lot as far as I'm yeah, concerned. Yeah, well, well you, you have to factor in, right? Yeah. The fucking, the kids who, you know, grew up playing on the, on the football team and shit like that, or, you know, the extracurricular activities, you know, the kids that were more focused on that shit. You know, they're not they're they didn't spend time learning and appreciating cinema to the point that we do. You know what I mean? Yes. Like and like that's the thing. Like with with this movie podcast we're gonna be doing, it's still gonna be a very niche thing. You know what I mean? It's gonna be for people who like to discuss film and like to hear discussions about film. Cause like the way that that we're formatting, and this is, you know, for people that are interested in hearing acclaim and shame when it drops, the way that we're formatting the episodes is we're going to have, you know, 30 minutes of discussion about the movie, sometimes a little bit more depending on the movie, and only about 8 to 10 minutes of it is going to be spoiler free. You know what I mean? The rest of it is going to be spoiler talk. So, we're we're trying to get something for everyone and we're going to have it all time stamped and stuff where it's like, okay, well, uh the spoiler talk for this movie starts at this point. So if you want to hear our thoughts and then our review rating, click these two time links. Yeah. That's what we're going for because not everyone goes heavily into like the film discussion. You know what I mean? No. It's just a different type of, you know, thought process, man. And you can look down at them all you want, but at the same time, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just the way that their character's built. Uh, They're still douche noggins, but, you know, I I see your point. Well, there's a reason they call you the fickle fanboy. <laughs> you're damn right. You're, you're you're talking about the fanboy part, right? Nah, I don't care. Anyway, let's uh let's get back to the list because we have one more, one more that uh, I have decided uh, we we just gotta we we they they just have to fuck. And that last one is Revenge of the Nerds: Fury Road. Hell no! Hell no! Fuck that shit. I would I would watch that movie unironically. <laughs> You're the only one. Just watching like Robert Carradine replacing Mad Max in that movie and Booger replacing Nux. <laughs> just like he just like he just burps and he's just like oh, what a lovely day. You know what I mean? <laughs> and of course, um oh, Ogre has to be the guy that plays bass. No, man, no, you know, if anything, Ogre's going to play a Morton Joe, you know what I mean? Okay, uh, you know, yeah, I guess I could see that, too. Because, like, that's the thing, he doesn't say much in that movie, so him just saying, you know, mediocre makes sense. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I don't know if it, if any of the shit makes sense, but if anything, that does. But, uh, this last one, I saved, in my opinion... Not only the best for last, but it's also one that kind of speaks for itself. So, I just got to see where we go with this. Um, 
Harry Potter and Indiana Jones. Okay. Because, I mean, think about it. You, they, it would work so well. Okay. Harry Potter and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Harry Potter and the Temple of Doom. I mean, that's, that's very similar to like fucking, you know, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. So that may, that works perfectly. Yeah. I mean, Harry Potter and the Last Crusade. Yeah, for sure. And uh, Harry Potter and, oh God, Crystal Skull. Oh God. Yeah. And uh, with the, the news that they're making a new Indiana Jones, and we've already talked about the interview that. Daniel Radcliffe did where he said that he could kind of see the writing on the wall that it's inevitable that they would reboot Harry Potter at some point. Yeah. But let's give them the reboot we really want. Yeah, but but think about think about it. With the fact that they're that's inevitable and the fact that they're remaking or at least you know continuing on with uh Indiana Jones eventually you're going to have Harry Potter and dear God, not another one. Who the fuck cares? <laughs> Harry Potter and the milking of a franchise. <laughs> but you know, then you also have on the flip side, you could even go the other way around and do things like Indiana Jones and the order of the Phoenix. See that right there. That would be interesting because like, it's like he stumbles upon a secret society. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or uh, Indiana Jones and the Sorcerer's Stone. Or Philosopher's Stone, I guess. You know, either way. Yeah, for sure. But, I mean, think about... (laughs) Just because of the physicality and the fights and and just action within Indiana Jones. Imagine if we went the Harry Potter and, you know, whatever route. Yeah. Imagine if we had Harry Potter, Ron, and fucking Hermione in place of, say, Harrison and uh, Sean, you know, in Last Crusade. That would be interesting. I, I, I would really prefer at the very end when one, you know, when Sean gets shot and Harrison heads to continue on to try and save him. I, I would almost kind of prefer it. Just because that would mean Hermione or Ron, uh, well, probably Hermione, bleeding out on the floor. Although, now that I think about it, she wouldn't necessarily, depending on the time of the month that they went ahead and filmed, she wouldn't necessarily have to get shot to bleed out. Yeah, but but I don't know. You would lose that that old dynamic, you know what I mean? The old and young dynamic. Yeah, yeah. So I I think what I would rather have is something like Harry and Snape. Or something. Oh, okay, okay. I mean, because, like, obviously James Potter can't be there because he's fucking dead. But, you know, Snape would be interesting because he would have that snide, those snide remarks about him. The same way that Connery had snide remarks about Harrison Ford. So I think that that dichotomy would work a little bit better. You know, I, I guess I could see that. But, you know, really, it, it kind of made me think, you know, like, depending on what movie you were doing... Which Potter character would play someone like a short round or um short round would probably be Dobby the house elf. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. You know what I mean? Like that just makes sense. You know, but 
some of the other ones, I'm I'm trying. It it just it made me kind of think like you have so many Marcus. Yeah, I could almost see Ron being Marcus. Yeah, like that's like it could work because you have such a big cast of characters to pull from, and then someone like you know the fucking the head of the Death Cult in Temple of Doom, he could you know be played not not necessarily by like Voldemort, but you know, fucking like you know, just a a, a head Death Eater like Lucius Malfoy or something. Yeah, yeah, okay. You know what I'm saying? Like that just makes sense to me. Yeah, or or um, I would actually have either Hermione or you know one of the oh shit, what what was that little bastard's name? Draco. Yeah, the douche. I, I would almost have one of his cohorts or Hermione play Sala. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. I'm sorry. Every time I see his character in Indiana Jones, I immediately think of the guy who opens Aladdin, the uh, the narrator. Too close. Too close. A little too close. Now that I think about it, imagine Aladdin and uh, Indiana Jones. Yeah. Although then you'd have an, an animated Indiana Jones and it would just go all to hell. Yeah, fuck it. You know, like I said, nothing matters. Disney owns everything. We're all going to die. So let's just watch the world burn. You know, yeah, it's 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 getting to the point where it's almost sad. Think about some of the movies that you would come up with when trying to combine things that Disney already owns. Well, because like there's been some ideas of weird crossovers in the past, right? Like, they wanted to combine Men in Black with the 21 Jump Street reboots. Which, yeah, I'm I'm so glad that that just died a slow death. Yeah, but, you know, it's just, like, when it was announced, I was just like, how would that even work? Because, like, the, the Jump Street movies are very hard R, you know what I mean? Like, don't get me wrong, I'm not doubting Lord and Miller, because they are very talented. Like, I just watched one of their, I just watched a movie for the first time that they did. Which, I mean, I'm pretty sure everyone has seen it, but I never got around to seeing it until just recently, which is the fucking Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Like, that's actually a decent fucking film. Yeah, it is. I mean, like, don't get me wrong, it very clearly is playing to kids. Wait, it, it is? Son of a bitch. Yeah, but, like, what I'm saying is, like, the, the, the interesting uh, animation style, like, for example, with the dude's dad about how his eyes are never seen until he tells him, look into my eyes. And then his eye, like his eyebrows raise enough finally that you can actually see his eyes and it's terrifying. Like there's just certain aspects of that where I like, but like me personally, like I, I there's potential, but the, the thing is there are some rem- like some ideas of, of crossovers that just make no goddamn sense. And men in black and 21 jump street was one of them. But at the same time, if they're going to do it, they're going to do it regardless of what the public outcry is. You know, because, I mean, when Jesse Eisenberg was announced as Lex, people were like, why would you do that? We wanted Brian Cranston to play Lex Luthor. Which, yeah, that that right there was a, a misstep, in my opinion, uh, getting Eisenberg over Cranston. But, yeah. But, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, like there was public outcry, and, like, they were just like, no, we're going to go with Jesse Eisenberg. It's like, no, no, you misunderstood. We said we wanted Heisenberg to play Lex Luthor. To me... The whole idea of what we've done here is almost frightening in today's world because... 
they have potential to exist. Exactly. As much as I advocate for people to vote with their wallet, and if you have your spidey sense tingling, don't go. It almost frightens me that really it does it doesn't matter because if they see the potential for a movie to make money even just a small potential they'll pull the trigger and blow all our brains out yeah but there's one combination that they haven't done that really makes me angry because I have a feeling it would be a great movie. Okay. And that is combining Suburban Commando with American History X. Oh, God. Which, okay, I'm, I'm sorry. I've not covered American History X, but anyone who hasn't seen Suburban Commando, consider yourself lucky. Have you seen American History X? Yes, I have. And, I mean... I'm just trying to figure out when in that movie, when, if, if they combine those two, where exactly you would hear things like, you know, I was frozen today. I don't know. I just really want to see Hulk Hogan play a Nazi. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, he, he kind of flirted with the idea in real life anyway. So yeah, I mean, that, and that led to, like, literally the greatest episode ever of Fatitude Era, so. I, well... Yes and no. I, I although I'm biased, I'm you know fairly biased when it comes to that. I kind of prefer that last one that you guys threw out there, but that's just because I was featured. So you know. Yeah, there you go. But uh, you know, speaking of uh, wrestling jokes and movies and just just everything, just gonna kind of throw this out there, let it marinate. Take these two movies and let us know where you. How you would combine them. Leave it in, in comments on either our Twitters or our Facebook. Just, just let us know where you would take it. But here, you, you ready for the two movies? I'm ready. I don't know if they are. No, they're, they're never ready, but I really don't care. Uh, I, I never take that into consideration. And keep in mind, this is not a time-sensitive response. I mean, we would like it to be, but realistically, it's not. No. So we might be picking this up three years from now. We don't know. <laughs> Uh, well, you know, if their response time is any indication, three years, five years, ten years, it really doesn't matter. But, you know, we'll, we'll get to it eventually if they get to when it. When is the next Olympics? <laughs> uh, well, as of this recording or? As of this recording. Well, let's see here. I, I want to say in two years okay so so let's try and get a response on that question by the next olympics yeah but here it is here it is mr nanny and they live two different movies that have two different wrestlers but totally different movies i'd watch it whatever they come up with fucking i'll watch it I, 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 it really doesn't matter what they come up with. I'm, I'm going to the theaters. I'm sitting right there in the front row. Put on these glasses, brother. <laughs> I, I just want to see where they would go with it. So, uh, bring it on, people. We're, we're listening. We're listening for the next two and a half years. <laughs> uh, well, maybe, maybe not 
that intently, but we will be. Well, for now, I think that's a good place to stop. You know, absolutely, absolutely. But uh, as always, you can find me at, at the Fickle Fanboy RPM on Twitter and at the Fickle Fanboy Podcast on Instagram. And you can find me at Rev Jess underscore FL Radio and Twitter and on Instagram. If you're interested in my podcast, The Church Absurd with Reverend Jess and Deacon Sam, you can find it on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, all your favorite podcast apps. Definitely not safe for work enough for the easily offended. If you're interested in all the other network stuff, uh, you can check out our Facebook page at Fat Lulz Radio on Twitter as well at Fat Lulz Radio. Check out the other podcasts, including the Designated Drinkers, the Unseriously Serious podcast, and be sure to contribute to our projects with the League of Infuriated Nerds. Also, check out the associated shows Robin Slim, From the Bottom, and Pee on the Pods, where they review the worst podcasts in the world and give them the rating they deserve. Yeah, that's a good one. Also, if you like this movie talk, uh, you know, because eventually it will stop. Eventually we will, you know, get over to some other topics. You could check out this upcoming project that we have called Acclaim and Shame, where we look at two movies, one that is critically acclaimed, one that is critically reviled, and give them their day in court as far as the reviews, and we determine if the critics were right. So we are getting to work on that very soon. So be on the lookout for that, because that is going to be a fun, fun time. So, yeah, other than that, be sure to check out the official Fickle Fanboy merch when it drops. And, uh, yeah, other than that, folks, I think that'll do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. But for now, this has been a Fat Lowell's Radio production. To hear more shows like this, go to SoundCloud.com slash Radio. And as always, we'll be seeing you. <laughs>